0: Well, as you know, we are in the book of Jonah, and where we last saw Jonah is he was in kind of big trouble, right? The storm was coming in on the ship. There was rain and water everywhere. People thought that the ship was going to sink, and Jonah gave the suggestion to do what? To be thrown overboard into the water. And that is now where we find Jonah this week. Out in the water, struggling to survive, and here we are in Jonah chapter But we're actually going to read one verse before chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles today, I invite you to open up to the book of Jonah so we can read through this story. So as you know, Jonah is running from God. God is calling him to the land of Nineveh, and he does not want to do what the Lord is calling him to do. So in Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, it says this. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. So Jonah is swallowed by what? Scripture tells us a huge fish. But what's really interesting about this passage is, I don't know about you, I don't know if anybody has ever been in the open waters before, but it is a very terrifying experience to know that a boat is drifting away from you, and it's just you and the open ocean. But what does Scripture say here about this huge fish? You see, I think we get stuck on this idea and the story of Jonah and the whale, or Jonah and the huge fish, that we fail to see that Scripture says what? That the Lord provided. I don't know if that's how I would want the Lord to provide for me, If I was in a situation like this, I don't know about you, but I've taken a few cruise ships in my life. I think that's how I would want the Lord to provide for me if I was in a situation like this, is I would hope that God would send a cruise ship to rescue me. and Maybe if not a cruise ship, maybe a helicopter. I don't know. I can think of a lot of better ways in my mind that I would like the Lord to provide for me if I was stuck in the open waters fighting for my life maybe you can think of a few too maybe you've been on a cruise like me and know how wonderful it is to just enjoy all the food and you would hope that would be how god would provide for you but how does god provide for jonah in this instance scripture says that he sends a huge fish Now, I think there is something important here that we can gather from this scripture. Church, if I'm going to be honest with you guys, if I'm going to be real about our Christian life together, then I need to admit to you guys and let you guys know that oftentimes God provides for us in ways that we do not expect. And oftentimes in ways that we do not understand. But he still providing for us. Do you hear me with what I'm trying to say there? Is that God is always trying to provide for each and every single one of us here today, but oftentimes His provision looks different than our expectations. So we struggle to see God's providence in our lives because at times we want God to provide for us, but only under a certain form of parameters. I jokingly say a cruise ship, but in reality there are many instances of my own life that I can look at where I wanted God to provide a certain way, in a certain method, at a certain time, but yet He had different plans for me. And it's easy in moments like that to think that, where are you, God? Why aren't you showing up, when in reality, God is always there? I like this quote from Charles Stanley that talks about our need, oftentimes, for God to keep us in a state of need. He says this, God allows us to face difficulties so that our faith will be stretched and refined. The trials we face provide an excellent opportunity for us to declare our dependence on God and not on ourselves. The way we win the battle with discouragement is by humbling ourselves before God and telling him that we need him. There is only one way to do this. And it is through prayer. One of the things that I've struggled to understand in my life is how I can be fully free, but yet how God can be in control. Have any of you ever had a question like that? How can I be fully free, but yet God still is the one in control? And I need to tell you guys that there is a little bit of a mystery there on how that works out and how God is able to keep us free but yet still fully be in control. But one thing that I have learned time and again is that it is so important for me to remain as humble as possible. And let me be clear about this. I am not always succeeding in this battle of humility. In fact, there are many times in my life where I'm kicking myself in the bum after the fact because I realize that I blew it, that I failed to do what God called me to do, or at least what I believed he called me to do. But it's such an important key in life because it helps us to actually see God working. You see, what's amazing here about this story in God providing a fish for Jonah is that up until this point, Jonah didn't want to have anything to do with what God was calling him to. I mean, think about it. God is sending him where? To the land of Nineveh. To preach to these people so that these people may be able to do what? To repent and come back to God. And Jonah rejects that mission and does what? Goes in the total opposite direction from where God is calling him. And he's rebelling against God so much so that he's now in a state where the waters are around him. He's drowning. Or if he will be drowning soon. And God still rescues him in that situation. God is always, always our salvation. God is always our rescue ship. And the reason why it's important for us to be humble is so that we can take notice of the bigger picture around us. You know, in the land of India, there is a tradition to make saris. And these saris are beautiful tapestries that are weaved together. And the way to be able to weave these things together is typically there is a grand weaver. There is somebody who stands behind the tapestry that's being made And there is a younger person who goes and threads the needle. And it's the grand master behind the individual who is threading the needle, who is guiding the hand of this person to let them know what threads need to be used, what color needs to be made. And the purposes are behind this are even though the individual cannot see for the most part, what he is doing other than listening to the master behind him, the master has the full picture in view. In many ways, our God operates very similar to that in life, where God calls us to do things, where God is in control of our lives, and we might not be able to see the whole picture, but he has the whole picture in his mind. Jonah struggled to trust in the Lord, but yet God still provided for him. If you didn't know, the word fish comes from the Hebrew word dog, and big fish or huge fish comes from gal gal dog, and that in particular means how we get this idea of a big fish. Now the reason why in scriptures it has eventually been translated to whale is because in the Greek Bible they used the word um, ketos, which means specifically whale. Now I need to admit here that for some of us modern readers, it could be difficult to stomach and accept that a whale is what did all of this, right? Right? that a whale literally uh, swallowed up Jonah. But it's my belief that if we believe in a God who can do miracles, then what's the problem? See, we always like to put God in a box, I believe. We like to limit what God can do in our lives, and by effect, because of that, We don't always see him providing in the ways that he can or in the ways that he is. You know, I often meet with people on a regular basis, both from our church and outside of our church. And one of the questions that I like to ask people when I meet them is I like to ask this question. I like to say, so what is God doing in your life? If you've gotten coffee or lunch with me, you've probably heard me ask you that question before. And it's a very important question for me. I'm strategic in the reasons why I ask that question. Some of them are just simply selfish. I want to hear what God is doing in your life. Because I like hearing those stories. Because I believe God is always providing and God is always moving and God is always ministering to each of us. But another reason why I ask that question is because I like to invite people to have an opportunity to reflect, to think about what God is doing. And I'll be honest with you, I I catch a lot of people off guard with that question. There are a lot of people that I can tell, and I don't tell them, (laughs) that I can see that they're scrambling. And don't get me wrong, there's probably a few reasons why. One, the pastor could feel like the principal, right? (laughs) And maybe they're feeling like I'm evaluating them. But two, and I think this is probably the more likely reason, they haven't thought about it themselves until I asked them. And here's a hard truth, church. We oftentimes don't take the time to think and consider what God is doing in our lives. We oftentimes don't take the time to think and consider what God is doing in our lives. Here's the reality, church, is that God is active and living in all of our lives. He loves us that much. And he's that big of a God that he knows you and your situation in some ways better than you know yourself and your situation. And we ought to be living and thinking in a way where each of us has minds onto what God is doing in our lives. Because otherwise we'll miss it. And I don't know about you, I don't want to miss what God is doing in my life. You know, what's ironic about this whole entire story with Jonah is how he does not represent, in very many ways, a good prophet. Right? I mean, you would think that a good prophet would be eager to do the works of God, but yet Jonah is so oftentimes against doing what God is calling him to do. And just like we talked about last week, we can see ourselves in that, right? where we hide from God, where we hide from our own personal responsibilities. And because of that, we fail to do the things that the Lord wants to do in our lives. But what's amazing about this, with Jonah in particular, is that God is demonstrating the same love that he has for Nineveh, for Jonah, if you think about it. You see, I think in Jonah's world, he's more comfortable if God were to just destroy and condemn people who are wicked. But that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is always to rescue and redeem people. So for that reason, when Jonah is in the waters, listen to his prayer that comes in verse 2. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Sorry. Lena, could you turn off the pulpit mic, please? You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the curtains swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remember you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. So what is Jonah doing here? He's offering praise to God for rescuing him with this big fish that comes his way. But yet Jonah cannot see that the God who rescues and redeems him is the same God who wants to rescue and redeem the land of Nineveh. You see, for whatever reason, when we see God, we unfortunately don't truly believe as much as we should in his redemptive power and work in our lives and the desires that he has to be able to truly meet us wherever we are at. You see, even in Jonah's rebellion, God was trying to get a hold of his heart. And the moment that Jonah did what? Cried out for God. God does what? Does he punish Jonah for his rebellion? He rescues him in his rebellion. You know, for whatever reason, we oftentimes wrongly think that God's love only goes to a certain point. Right? And I think that in part of that is because we, in some ways, do that to other people. Or we have experienced love in a very conditional framework in our own lives. So because of feeling like oftentimes we only receive people's love to a certain point. or, Or are only willing to give people's love to a certain point. It's hard for us to at times see that God's love truly has no limits. Or at least no limits in the ways that we oftentimes Limit God's love. And here we have a clear picture. Of someone rebelling against God. But God being the rescuer. Right at the moment. Jonah cries out for him. Church I want to encourage each of you. That you are never. Never. Too far away from being able to. Receive God's love in your life. To be able to receive his forgiveness. His redemption. All of the things that deep down inside of us. We need and we desire. All we need to do. Is reach out to him. Or maybe even better said. Allow him to. To love us. Allow him to love us. To be humble enough to repent. To be humble enough to cry out to God. God always hears our prayers. And this story should remind us of that much that even while Jonah is in the dark of sea, God hears his prayers. Even while Jonah goes into the belly of this fish, God hears his prayers. What does that mean for you? That there is no situation that you can ever find yourself in where the Lord will not hear your prayers. He will always hear your prayers. In every situation and circumstance, you can never escape the full breath of God's love that He has for each and every single one of you. You know, it's interesting in life. Jonah, in some ways, became a prisoner of his of his own doing where he allowed bad circumstances to happen, not because God was trying to punish him, but because he was walking outside of God's will. You see, we so oftentimes look at the tragedies we face as God's punishment in our lives. When in reality, the bad things we experience are oftentimes evidence of God's hand, of us leaving God's presence. You see, I think that oftentimes the tragedy, the evil, the overwhelming feelings that we experience are because we are leaving, in a a sense, God's presence and peace in our lives. Even when Jonah is in this prison, God desires to get a hold of his heart. I think it's sad, though, that Jonah is so different than who God wants us to be. That Jonah cannot see for himself the rescuing hand that God provides him and then think to himself, I want to provide a rescuing hand for Nineveh. What a different picture from Jonah to Jesus, right? When you look at Jonah and you look at Jesus, there's oftentimes parallels there, but the parallels are in contrast of each other. Jonah is sent on a mission to go bring redemption to wicked people. Jesus is sent into this world to bring healing to hurting people. Jonah is meant to go to the land of Nineveh, but rebels. Jesus willingly accepts that mission and comes into this earth. Jonah is swallowed by the belly in, in the belly of a whale or a fish. Jesus is enters into the grave. Both Jonah is in that fish for three days. Jesus is is buried for three days. But the separating difference between these two stories is that when Jesus was being tortured on the cross, his prayers were more, forgive them, Lord. For they do not know what they are doing. Where Jonah's prayers look so different, right? Where Jonah, for the most part, did not care for those that he was trying to minister to. What a sad difference. But also what a call for each of us. To be willing to. Make differences in the lives of other people. The final verses in chapter 2 for today says this. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Church, I, I, I don't feel like I'm at my best today, if I'm going to be honest with you guys. I feel like there's been many things that I've been struggling with and I I don't have this plan for my sermon today but it's just true. I'm sure you're probably feeling that and experiencing that for yourself today because I'm just off. And I just need to be honest with you guys about that because, well, I'm trying to be true to who I am, who God's called me to be. And instead of just trying to stumble along here, I just need to confess that to you guys. I'm struggling today. There are things that are hard for me that I don't always accept and do well. And I look at Jonah and I see myself. I see that I don't love the way that God always wants me to love. I don't care the way that God always wants me to care. And sometimes I get really angry when I see it in other people too. And I understand that that is judgmentalism on my part. Church, I I really didn't plan this and hopefully I'm not going to regret this. But I became a pastor because I genuinely believe in the mission of the church. I genuinely believe that we are God's people, that we are called to be a city on the hill, that we are called to be light to others. And sometimes it kills me when I see us fighting with each other more than fighting the kingdom of darkness. When I see us getting more concerned about our preferences the things that we want in our own lives because we want things a certain way more than whether we are actually living out our faith in the best possible ways that we can. We are called to reflect Jesus' light into this world. We are called to be his ambassadors And I hate to say it sometimes, but it's just true. We struggle to do that. Jonah is the exact reflection in some ways of ourselves. People who struggle to want to do what God wants them to do. And you know what's really sad about this story? Is that in some ways, Jonah is delaying God's goodness in the lives of other people. And I wonder, am I delaying God's goodness in the lives of other people because I just don't want to get on board about certain things? You know, because I hold on to the sins of my heart instead of doing what I know God wants me to do because I could be selfish I hope you hear my heart and I hope if anything from hearing my heart today you can maybe come to know for yourself that church we need to love each other we need to care about God's mission more than we care about the things that distract us and you know what distracts us we need to care about whether or not we're actually being God's light or if we're just like everybody else. Because let's be honest, guys. So many people, so many people do not know the truth and the love and the redemption and the forgiveness and all of the good things that Jesus wants to establish for each of our lives. And so often, we just don't care enough to make a difference about that. I hope our church can continue to be a light to other people. I hope our church can continue to work hard to do things that are difficult, not because we just want to get in trouble, but because we want to take the tasks that Christ gives us Seriously. The reality is, is we need each and every single one of you so much. As a pastor, let me make that clear. I really, 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 really depend on you guys. Because I'm just one person. The elders are just one person. And you guys have some opportunities and some skills and some things that God has given you that I just don't got. And I am excited to see the Lord work in new ways, to see new things happen, to see lives restored, brokenness brought whole, And all the things that we read in scripture that just seem so wonderful. You know, one of the wonderful things that happened to me when I got saved was I pretty quickly after started reading the Bible and read the book of Acts. And I thankfully saw very little disconnect between what was happening in my life and in the church that I was at and what I was seeing in the book of Acts. That's what we're called to. We're called to continue in this wonderful mission. Jonah didn't want to do that, but I hope I do. I hope you do. Unplanned things I was taught in seminary should never be done. (laughs) But I don't know how I can get through this without sharing this otherwise. I'll share one more thing with you. I had a dream a few weeks ago. It was a dream on a day that wasn't great to come to church. I was wrestling with some things. So I never shared this dream with you, but I wanted to that day. And my dream was that the length of this church was three times the size. And every chair was filled. And look, I don't just care about numbers. I've never been that person. But numbers do represent something and that represents hopefully people that are encountering Jesus for the first time. And I do want more chairs to be filled, not just to pat ourselves on the back, but because I wanna see more people truly transformed by God in the ways that I know only he can transform. I wonder what it would look like to make that happen. I'm not talking about blowing out the wall and building it three times bigger, but I see plenty of chairs here that we could start working on. What would it look like, church, if we stopped being like Jonah? Running from God. Only praying to God when we need to be rescued. And started really thinking for ourselves. Lord, today's a new day. What are you calling me to do? Your words tell me that you've prepared good works for me to walk into. What good works do you have for me, Lord? Lord, there are people that I know in my own life, not just on the news, but in my own life, who I need to love, who I need to pray for. Lord, how can I... Have less of me today and more of you. How can I s- stop holding on to my own selfishness and be a little bit more like you, God? What would it look like all of us during the season of Lent, during this week, during today, did that? Where we decided, you know what? I'm just going to live to be God's light. What would it look like? Honestly, have you thought about that? I have. I think it'd look radically awesome. Because it's so different than what we're used to. And unfortunately, we get very comfortable. Very comfortable. Too comfortable. With what everybody's okay with. And because of that, we end up compromising. I think God would do some things that we just would say, wow. You know, so often the question is asked, why don't miracles happen in America or in the West the way that we hear in other countries? You know, I thought that. I just think it's probably because we're not as dependent upon God. We struggle You know, I write a line in here. Hey guys, maybe he wasn't swallowed by the whale, right? Maybe it's just a fictional story. And I think about that and I'm like, the only reason why I need to say that is because we don't believe in miracles as much. You know? But what would it look like? We truly digged into God the way scripture shows us. to. All right, well. Church, that's what I hope to encourage you with today. Let's pray.